Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at cccLife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Don't let that go to your head. They do that for me every weekend. It's, it's amazing. It's really an amazing church. Hey, we want to welcome you. In fact, can we keep our applause going? Can we give it up for our other campuses? So right now, DeKalb, greetings. Uh, Aurora, good to see you. Streamwood, hello, Streamwood. And St. Charles, glad to have you here. Now, uh, you know, I'm curious how many of you are here for the running part of the story, uh, because you are runners. So uh, we'll put some artificial qualifiers on that. Let's say to be a runner, you got to run at least three times a week, at least three miles at a shot. Based on those standards, how many of you are runners? Okay, got a lot of runners out there, number of runners. How many of you wish you were runners? <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> well, before we get into the running part of the story, let's, there's so much background uh, to your personal story that's of interest to us, Lopez. It begins in Sudan, a country very different from ours. So tell us what it was like as a, a young child growing up in Sudan. Yeah, I grew up in a small village of Kimotong in South Sudan. And my family are farmers. They keep cattle and, and uh, we just work together. All I was doing was to be able to help my mom and go to the river and fetch the water and help my dad as well, go and herd the cattle and, you know, just trying to do, prove myself that I can be able to do it. And uh, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to be like left alone because I'm, I'm only six years old. I want to be in a game working and helping them. Yes, yes. You, you actually got a little nickname for that means kind of running around, right? So, yeah, so my parents somehow uh, named me Lo Pepe. Pepe. Lo Pepe means fast in my language. Okay. And um, so a pet. I guess I was living out to my name, La Pepe. <laughs> so I was just like, my mom will send me to, uh, to the, the neighbor and get, you know, to uh, borrow some salt. I will run there fast and get it. Okay. And she will send me to the river and go fetch the water. I'll go out and, you know, <laughs> so fast. So I'm just trying to, you know, to just make her also think like, I can be able to contribute to my family. Sure. sure. Now, in 1991, something happened, uh, a nightmare occurred in your life that sort of put a, an end to your childhood. And ironically, it happened in church. Yeah. So t tell us, tell us what, what transpired. Yeah, so I remember that day very well, like just like yesterday. I, um, it was a beautiful day, sunny, gorgeous, just it, like every other, other Sunday. I, um, I put my Sunday best. I put the T-shirt on and my shorts. I didn't have shoes at the time. And I woke up early in the morning, and I wanted to go to church with my, my parents. So we went to, to uh, my village and church. Basically, our church is under the big tree, and we worshiped there. And it's the only time we can be able to uh, see the Bible being read and, you know, the Word of God. And, and also, as a kid, I get to, like, show my Sunday best to other kids uh, you know, around the villages. And um, so we're just playing, and all I can remember was happy because we are all happy every time when we go to church because that is a place you know, God house, I can be able to show, to like put us all together yes. to, you know, in his name. And um, so it was just so beautiful. 
and uh, yeah, so that, that's what brought and us. And what happened to interrupt all that? Yeah, so as the service was going on and, you know, we are praising, praising God and everything. And, and um, so we saw the, the, the trucks, you know, just came into our, our, our open air um, church. And the soldiers came out with their guns, like, pointing out and, like, yelling at everybody to lay down. And so, like, we all went down and, like, you know, the, the, the fathers was going to plead with them. They're like, okay, not here, not in the in in house of God. And, and you know, the, the mothers were running toward their, pet, their kids to be able to go rescue their kids. And the kids also, like, was just everything, the, the, the place of peace, the place of worship became chaotic. So I, and I, my mom grabbed me so hard as we are going and we are laying down on the ground. And she grabbed me so tightly, so close to her that she could never, like, if she could do, she could just swallow me yes. at that particular time with all that strength. And um, the, the soldier came in and ripped me from her. And as he dragged me, and, like, my mom was running to be able to, like, to rescue me. And the soldier just dropped the, uh, draw his weapon and say, one more step, I'll shoot. And that was a moment that I, I lost my childhood, and I, you know, I was only six years old, and that's when my, my struggle began. Now, Lopez, the, these were rebel soldiers. They were, they, this was their recruitment technique, getting young boys for, the, for their military uh, you know, offenses. And, and so they took you off into captivity, but God provided three angels, as you refer to them in your book, three teenage boys, mm -hmm from your home village who were there with you and they sort of protected you and eventually you escaped with them. Tell us about that escape and, you know, what yeah. happened. Yeah, so we, as, as we were sitting there, like the boys, because a lot of boys were dying every day and so like the, the number was shrinking. And so three of my angels, which they knew my, my brother, I'm sure they, they told me their name, but I didn't know I was only six years old. And um, so they went out in training, and they saw the hole on the fence. And that night, they came up, and, like, they, they told me one word. They said, you know, we are, we are going to see your mom again, you know, and those simple words. And I was so happy, but it, they, they didn't know how, when and how yes. because they knew that I have a big mouth. I could have told everybody, like, oh, by the way, I'm going home. <laughs> well, you're six years old, right? Exactly. You don't secrets. Yeah, so and yeah. in the middle of the night, and so they picked me up. They Huddle, basically, we picked me up. We huddled other kids who were sleeping. We opened the door. The other one went through the second one, and then me, and then third one. And so we, we, we came in and we crawled toward the hole on the fence. And, um, and that's what my race that began. And we just, we just started running, running for our lives. So, for how long? Three days, three nights in this, you know, savannah. And um, basically, like, you know, the only peace I had at that particular moment is I left the fear behind. I'm running towards, you know, a hope. Yes. Hopefully I can be able to see my mom again. I can be able to be in my, my village again. And, and like, if, like dangerous animals wasn't even anything. Because we knew somehow God was there with us. Yes. And they, you know, providing us some, like, if, when I was thirsty, somehow that was just like a little water was there for us. And these boys, were, three of them, there would be, like two of them would be, you know, protecting me. The other one fetching the water for me. I'll be drinking the water. And then when I'm hungry, there was some fruit along the way. There were just things was planted on our journey. Wow. wow. So in, in spite of the trauma that you were going through, there, there was this sense that God was in control of right. the whole thing. Yeah. So you end up running instead of toward your village. <laughs> you ran the opposite direction by mistake. And you end up in Kenya 
Three days and three nights later, a six-year-old boy runs all the way to Kenya. You end up in a refugee camp where you're going to live for the next 10 years. Tell us what that refugee camp was like. Yeah, first of all, like, even, even running was like, we didn't have a GPS to be able to show us where to go. We <laughs> yeah. just ran away from the, the people, the bad guys with the, with, the, with the bullets and stuff like that. So we ended up like, you know, uh, God brought us to, the, to, to Kenya and uh, we were rescued there. And like, we, we went to the uh, UN, the UN um, the camp, which was called Kakuma refugee camp, one of the biggest camp in East Africa. And the life there, it was just very tough, you know. And um, so we have a rationing for 45 days, and we have to extend this. Basically, you get the rationing, and you have to extend this food for 45 days. And the only time, and we eat one meal a day at midnight. The only time, the reason why we eat at midnight is because, like, it's, it's good to be able to tell your stomach is, like, at least you have something, then you, go to, you can be able to go to sleep. And so, and every... Like, one special day of the week was Tuesdays. And um, so Tuesdays was a trash day. That's when the UN dumped their trash. And, and that was our delicacy. That was our meal of the week. So we go out there. We can hear the wheelbarrow coming from the, the UN compound. Somebody would, like, like bring in the, 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 the garbage, and they just drop it in this, like, a little hole. Yes. And all the boys would just jump in and just eat everything that is in there. Uh, you know, like a rotten banana, rotten tomato, whatever, anything that is there. Yes. And we eat it all. They never burn anything. Wow. That was our food of the day. Wow. And that day, we don't eat. Because if you didn't, you didn't, you didn't even get any uh, food in the trash, you can't eat. And to distract ourselves from hunger, we run. We run 30 kilometers and around the camp because we wanted to play soccer. Yes. And we had about 1,000 of us plus. And you don't, you don't want to, you know, if you've ever seen a chaotic soccer match, imagine putting a thousand kids playing soccer at the same time. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> so, so the older boys were very smart. They told us we have to, we have to run these 30 kilometers. Wait, wait, wait. Just do the translation for us. 30 kilometers is how far? 18 miles. 18 miles. So before you get to play soccer, you've got to do a lap around the refugee camp. So when you think refugee camp, if you're thinking like a couple hundred people, that refugee camp, which still exists today, has 50,000 people in it. So it's a, it's a big camp. So you, you have to run 18 miles in order to get to play later in the day. Correct. So, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's the smartest thing, like, they, because you don't want to be called, like, okay, you need to sit, sit down and let other kids to, to play because otherwise it would be like, why am I always sitting down? So that was a way to substitute. The, the, you know, people like myself, the, yes. y- the young ones. So we'll be like, we'll be running around this camp and um, it will take us, it took me probably about five hours or something because <laughs> I, I have to stop. I have to like, you know, and then you get distracted doing something else. And then by the time you get there, like the older boys already like tired and, like, and then we play for the rest of the day. So we work together. And um, so the only thing that kept us like, like together was like that family structure. You know, the family of those 10 boys that I live with. Wow. And um, because we didn't, we didn't have any, any grown-up person to be able to tell us, we just... 10 boys in your hut. In, in our hut. And we just have to, like, wow. encourage each other because the, a lot of time, like, a lot of boys who are older, if you started thinking about the past, that's when the, the, that fear gets in, yeah. in, into, into yeah. you. And so what we do, like, we just go, we, we, we pray, we worship, and then we just let everything, Jesus will take care of it. Yes. And that's what kept, kept me yeah. to where I am today. Wow, wow. So you've, 
you've got this situation where you've got one meal a day except on Tuesday because right. it's trash day and you get to eat all the garbage you want. Right. You're, you're doing 18-mile laps around the soccer field to get to play. Right. I, I know from reading your story that there was some swimming that went on, but you know the swimming took place in a dry riverbed that uh, you know that filled up with rainwater when when it was kind of monsoon season, right, so to speak. Right. But what was that riverbed used for otherwise? Well, it's actually it's, it's a bathroom, it's a toilet. It was your toilet. Yes, it was my it was our toilet, and that's where we go and you know take out our business. So and um, so when you swam in it, that's you were swimming in your toilet. Right. So we have to be creative because we don't have a swimming pool, and if it if it is like flooding and and. Um, you know, during the flooding season, we that that was a place for us to go and swim. So we swim in the in our toilet, basically, literally. Wow. Wow. And um, so and it, it was fun at the t time, but like for now, if I look at it, it's like, mm, what 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 was <laughs> <I doing?" laughs> Now, now in the midst of all this hardship, yeah. um, you write in your book that your favorite day of the week was Sunday because there was a church in the refugee camp, and uh, this is a quote from your book. I lost myself singing praises to God. I knew he was there with me. I never, ever doubted that fact for a moment. Right. And, and I just want to ask you straight out. So you weren't bitter with God? Like, how did you let this all happen to me? You, you know, God, God communicated with us in different ways. And he basically communicated with me to be able to go through all those, all those um, you know, suffering. And at, at the end, I know that God was there. And God is an awesome God. And the, the only place that I was so comfortable and, and just is to be able to go out in a one, one room to be able to, like, praise his, his name and worship him. And for, the, for the, just the strength he gave me, you know, the, the will of fight to be able to not to give up. You know, and, and that is the sign that God gave me at, the, at that particular time. I, I, I would just say, like, any, any hardship I go through, it's gonna be, it's gonna be something beautiful coming out of it. He's gonna bring something. He's gonna bring something. Well, uh, let let me let me backtrack a little bit to where your relationship with God really starts to take off. Uh, I love the story about that the, the Christmas Eve service. Mm -hmm. You heard the church in in the village is gonna have a Christmas Eve service, and they're gonna baptize uh, anybody who who wants to make a decision to surrender their life to Christ and and follow Him. So you had to go to a class, learn some Bible, and. Uh, uh, in the midst of that class, you learned about a character in the Bible named Joseph. Yes. In fact, when you got baptized on that Christmas Eve and the pastor baptized you, right. he gave you a new name. Tell us about the name Joseph. Why, why, did, why did he give you the name? What was so special about that name for you? Well, I, I, it was just, it was from God. And I think I didn't choose the name. And pastor just come in and, and, and said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Your name is Joseph. And I, it took me, like, why, why is my name Joseph? Like, I have to, like, go back and look at it. And um, so I know in the Bible that is Joseph, the father, like, the father of Jesus, and then it's Joseph in, in Old Testament. And, and I, I really, like, I'm connected to that name in Old Testament better because he can't, his story is exactly the same as mine. And um, so, and obviously, like, I just felt when I would get baptized that day, I, I have to surrender. I have to surrender my life to Christ. I have to say, now I'm your follower. Yeah. Everything you give me, I'll go do it to, to, like, to the fullest yes. for you. Yes. And um, so when, 
when the, the water went over my head and my new name came in. I came out of that church. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a new person. I'm, I'm a new person that I'm going to be out there doing everything God gave me. Wow, wow that's it. Wow. If, um, if you've never read the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, it's in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. You ought to check it out because the parallels with Lopez's story are really amazing. Joseph was ripped away from his family at an early age, sold into slavery, ended up in Egypt, a place far away from where he'd grown up, like Lopez. But by the end of the story, uh, he's being used by God as the prime minister of Egypt, the second-hand man to Pharaoh at the time, and ends up uh, with, a, with a, a famine relief program that ends up saving uh, many people's lives, just like God eventually uses Lopez's uh, life to impact others. And we're going to get to that in, in just a few moments. Now, you, you were given not only a new name, uh, but there was a Bible verse. I just want to recite it because yes. it's one of my favorite verses and it underscores this transition that took place in his life as he surrendered his life to Christ. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So to surrender your life to Christ, to become in Christ, means a, a, a major transition, transformation in your life from the old to the new. So you have become a new person in Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, not I mean, everything, the whole that or like began in a, in, a, in a church. And I got the new name in the church. Now, I have the name Joseph that I need to be able to like serve God. Live and up to. Live up to. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So like I, in everything, I think I belong in church. Yeah. You know, my, my name, my, my heart is here to be able to like, even telling this story right now and sharing my story. It's, it's, it's like a story of struggle, and at the end of the day, you, you, you're going to be, you, you'll overcome it. And, and even like, if, even my, my the, the job I'm doing today and as, as a runner or something like that, I say like, God want me to run because my legs and my heart and my mind and tenacity that I had in my heart saved me because God wanted me to share this story to impact the world. That's why you're here today, bro. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk about your running, okay? Because while you're in this refugee camp, right. one day you learn that running is not just about getting into the soccer game, okay? That running's actual, actually a sport. It's an yeah. Olympic sport. So you had heard through the grapevine that there is this thing called the Olympics. Right. And, and a farmer five miles outside of the refugee camp has a small black and white TV, right. and for five shillings, which you had earned doing some labor on the side, right you can get to see the Olympics. So you go, and what, what is it you saw that inspired you? As you, you watch this little TV set, this little black and white right. set, what did you see in the Olympics that, that uh, really uh, gave you a vision for your future? Yeah, so walking over there about this Olympic situation, and it was just like, oh, it was a long walk, five miles, walking with all the boys. Like, so I had that five shillings in my pocket, which I, I earned it to be able to like help, I wanted to be able to buy some food to be able to feed my brothers who, who are still there, like kind of, you know, change the food yeah, a little yeah. bit. So we walk about five miles. We knock at this guy's house. He, he opened the door. He said, what do you guys want? We said, we'd like to come and watch Olympics. I, I never seen TV before in my life. <laughs> so he opened, his, he opened his door and like basically started, he said, 
five shillings. And I was like, I, I, I touched my five shillings that I earned. And I said, oh, no. I'm going to have to give it to him now. So I can't walk all the way by myself. So I gave it to him. And he, he pointed at me and said, hey, you, like, I had, like, you know, short, my shoulder was, like, kind of dirty or something like that. He's like, you do not sit in my couch. Sit in the floor. I got so close to that black and white TV operated by a car battery. And we wanted to go up to see the soccer. But the, race, the, the thing that was playing at the, at the time was the... Um, 400 meters by Michael Johnson. He was running 400 meters final. And the man ran, and everybody was cheering, you know, like flashing of the uh, cameras and everything. And, um, and I look at him, like, running was a sport? <laughs> In my village, running is a place to go somewhere faster. <laughs> if you want to go there, maybe like later or something, you walk. But running is me. It's what I do. This is why I'm Lopepe. I run every time. So, and, and like, he finished the race. He got his medal. He went to the podium, the national anthem, and um, went up, and, and I, the tear came out of this cheek. And, you know, in Africa, you don't show your emotion like that, especially my village. And you, 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 you put it in. You, you, you know, you, you keep it in your, your heart. And um, I didn't know the time that he was actually running for something bigger. He was running for his country. He was representing his country. That medal, he was, he was basically like dedicated to his country. So, and I said right then, I said, I would like to run for that country one day. I want to go to Olympics. <laughs> and um, and we didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have another five shillings to see soccer match, which was <laughs> after that. So I had to walk to the camp by myself. I started walking. I started jumping a little bit. And then the memories of Michael Johnson started playing in my head, and I started running and running a little bit faster and faster. And, um, yeah, that was, that was my dream. Wow, wow. So you didn't know anything about running uh, as a sport or about Olympic Games or about America, but you got it all on that, that black and white TV. In that black and white TV. Now, what you didn't know is that there were some parents here in the United States getting ready to make uh, themselves ready to make a home for you. Yes. And so there was an essay contest, uh, Catholic Charities, offered to bring uh, a couple thousand uh, lost boys of Sudan to the, to the United States. And Rob and Barbara, uh, I think we got their picture there. H how did they hear about you? Yeah, they, um, they went to a search service uh, on Sunday, and um, they, they just, after the uh, announcement, they said there is um, a program, the lost boys of Sudan, uh, will, will, they, they need a new home. And uh, they, they saw there was my name in there. And they went and, you know, talked to the couple of charities a little bit to see, like, okay, what are, what are the challenges? And like, they didn't know about me. They didn't even have a picture of me. Okay. And, and they came up and said, yes, we are going to take Joseph. Wow. And wow. so they welcomed, like, I arrived in Syracuse in July 31st of 2001. And um, they, my mom... Before, before you can be able to go to the Jet Bridge, actually, like, you know, welcome somebody before the 9-11 happens. So they came to Jet Bridge, they, they had a sign that said, welcome home, Joseph. Nobody ever in my life, like, ever welcomed me like that. And, and to, I, was, I just walked straight to them, and um, we went to the car. They put me in the, in the back seat of Ampala and by myself. And I'm sitting down, I'm like, I've never been on a car in my life by myself. 
the road was beautiful, the green, like everything, the trees were beautiful. And I said, like, man. Up, upstate New York, they upstate, were fooling you, man. It was July. Yes. <laughs> yes. And um, it was so beautiful. I started pitching myself. Like, I, I need to wake up out of this dream, you know. And, um, and it was true. And I, we, we just drove and introduced me to the house and, and all these things. Like, they, they, they thought maybe I knew a lot, but I didn't. That night, I slept with the light on. You slept with the light on because I didn't know how to turn the light off. <laughs> uh, there, there, there are some humorous incidents. Uh, I mean, you got to tell about the shower. Oh, yes. So it, it was just really um, tough. I mean, the t- you know, learning something, learning everything in a new country, the yeah. new language, everything is just like not also like being in a house with, the, with like the bed, lights, showers and everything like, like that like in the same house. It was kind of weird because in Africa, we, we go out and take a shower in a camp. We take out in the river. But, and then showering was really tough because I put the water, it was so cold, extremely cold. <laughs> so I was jumping in and out and putting the soap on and then in and out. <laughs> and, the, and then one day I was like, hmm, you know, I think my parents are white because probably they take a shower in the cold water. <laughs> The, 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 the skin color started changing. I don't want to be white like that. So I decided boiling water. You boiled water. I boiled water. And then, then my dad came up like, what do you do? And I said, I'm boiling water to go take a shower. And um, they said, you know, there's a hot water there too. They went out, they, t- they taught me, and they, there was a perfect temperature. I never touched that nozzle again. I was like, I pull, I go take a shower, and I put it back in. So about this time, uh, the cross-country coach mm-hmm. at the local high school finds out that here's this kid from Sudan living, living here in our community now, and he knows how to run. So he comes to recruit you, and he knew just how to tempt you to join the cross-country team. How did he do that? He attempted me with a jacket. With a jacket? With a jacket with my name on. Oh. And so he came to my house, and um, he said... Joseph, I want you to run cross-country for me. And I said, I didn't even know what cross-country is. And um, I said, okay. My eyes was all in a jacket. And I wanted the jacket because he was holding it like this. And my name, Ramon, is in the back. And I said, can I have a jacket? He's like, no, you have to say, you have to promise me you will run cross-country for me. And I said, can I take a jacket and play soccer? He said, no. (laughs) And I, I was sold to just to get the uh, jacket, and it was the best decision of my life. Yes. yes. And um, so he, I joined a group. Was, was, was that is cross country? Was that strange to you? Because it got rules and whatever. Yeah. I mean, what what was the adjustment needed there? Yeah, it was kind of weird because like it's like all people running the woods, like you know, I didn't know what, what, what's going on. And, um, and I wanted, like, the only thing I wanted to do is, like, I'm going and I'm, I'm wearing this jer- jersey, Tully High School, and I'm representing my family and I'm representing this school. Yeah, yeah. And my coach pulled me over and said, like, I want you to, be, to run in the front and don't get boxed in, especially when we go up to the woods and then, yeah, you know, turn, yeah. it's, it's like a little tough to, uh, in, the, in the corners. Yes. And I didn't know that it, there was a person who was, like, driving this, the car was, like, you know, showing us the way was, was not part of the race. So, so the, the golf cart's running at the, just to 
to right. lay out the path for the runners. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the yeah. gun went off, and then I, I took off so fast. So I, there was this guy, was like driving, like basically was like, you know, his pedal was, could not be able to go faster. I beat the golf cart, and then it, it turned around corner, and then I went around. I went again, I beat him again for twice. So you're, you're thinking you gotta beat the golf cart guy. I have to beat the machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I beat the machine. So, so, the, so I went out there, and like, I, um, I got to the two and a half mi uh, mile mark, and I could not run. And I was just so tired, exhausted. It was like humid there, too. I was like sweaty and everything. I lost the race that day. And then my coach came up and said, like, okay, next time when you run, I want you to run in the, behind the, the, the little pack until I tell you it's time to go, and then you can go. <laughs> and then from that moment, I never lost another race again. Uh, wow. So all these adjustments are going on. And uh, one of the touching parts, uh, stories in your book, is uh, you share very, very vulnerably that you lived in fear that one day this beautiful dream would come to an end. One, one day you would get set, sent back to Africa. Mm. Uh, it's over, you know, your time of living here in the United States. And uh, you would lose this new family right. that you had and, and uh, everything that God seemed to have, have given you at the time. Yeah. So you jump into the hot tub one night with your dad mm -hmm. and for the first time, you open up and you yeah. share with him the fears. Yeah. And your dad tells you, Lopez, you're here, you're here to stay. Yeah. You're, you're part of our family. I'm your dad yeah. now. Yeah. How, how did that make you feel? Oh, it's, it, it, it makes me feel so, so blessed to be able to like regain my family again. People who love me. And um, even coming here, they didn't even tell us, tell us like, okay, that is the family you're going to be living with. And you're, you're gonna, they're going to be your parents. They didn't tell us that. So all I was thinking is like, I'm just going to come here. The place is so beautiful. I don't belong here. I was, a pla I was living in a place that I, whereby we all live in a hut, and we have to hide our food to survive. And we have to eat garbage. And this, this thing is not like, I don't think I am, you know, I am blessed enough to be able to stay in this house. And we, in, in that particular time, when we were sitting in that hot tub, uh, my dad basically, uh, I, you know, opened up and said, like, this is your home. You are our son. We're going to take care of you. And I, I just, I was just so, so happy, so, so happy that, like, you know, there is, there is a, a place. This, this is my home now, a place to call home. This is my parents. You know, they will see me through and um, so I can be able to, to tell the story in a big way. Yeah, I, I just got to interject a parallel here, friends, because... There's something uh, akin to the story that we tell at Christ Community Church all the time. And that is, when you surrender your life to Christ, God makes you part of his forever family. Mm. And you're in for good. You're in for good. And so, you know, many of us have grown up with a sense that in order to earn God's favor, there are certain things you got to do. And if you do them well enough, then you, you make it. And if you don't, then you don't make it. And so whether it's church-related stuff, or it's good deed stuff, or it's moral lifestyle, or, and you know, the Bible's pretty frank. It tells us that none of us could ever be good enough to earn the favor of a perfect God. Yeah. It's only when you surrender your life to Jesus that God puts you into his family, and he showers you with his love, and that love will never go away. You're part of that family for yeah. good once you, you become part of the family of God. When I read that part of your story, I thought, oh my goodness, this is such a perfect analogy of what happens when a person surrenders to Christ. Now, 
this is your American family you've been describing. But along the way, you find out, to your surprise, that your parents back in Africa that you thought were dead, right. you know, they're still alive. Yeah. And, and you're given an opportunity to travel back home. What did you see when you went back to Africa? Oh, I, 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 saw, I saw my mom after 17 years of, of separation. And um, I saw my dad, my brothers, they're all there. And, and I, I said, I, I just come here to see you, to just to, to be able to hug you and, and to eat with you, to share uh, laughter together. And he said, no, but you cannot go back until we have to go back to the village because we buried you when you were taken. And so I have to go literally resurrect myself. And we went all the way to the village and they went, we went to the you know, grave and we dug the grave and basically what it was were just items that I was wearing when I, when I was a kid. And we have to like get me out to be, to, to be alive again. You, you and, uh, went to the cemetery and they dug you out of your grave. Yes. 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 So it, I, I, I was <laughs> like, wow, the whole this time I've been living you know, even all, making myself all the way to America, I was literally dead in my village. Yes. yes. Yeah, so. Wow. wow. After this trip, uh, you end up in a university. You chose the University of Northern Arizona. Why, why would you choose that? Well, I didn't want to be in upstate New York at all because it's too cold. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I graduated. I looked for the places that, like, far away from New York possible. <laughs> I looked for the southern schools and I also like Arizona and I, I went to northern Arizona and it's such a beautiful campus, amazing people and amazing coaching, coaching staff and they, they have my degree that I really wanted to uh, uh, get there and I, I went there and I joined another family there and, um, and ran for the university and, and uh, represent that university to, to the best I can, uh, won natural titles for them. And so, like, it was, a, again, it was the best thing I ever chose again. Now, was this your preparation for Olympics? Right, because I, I basically told them, I, I, the moment I stepped my foot in the, in the campus, and I said, I would like to go to Olympics. And they sort of wrote the program for me. It's like, well, you have to, we have to win some meets. We have to win <laughs> some conference championship meets. We have to go out and get some maybe regionals meets, and then, and then uh, NCAA championship. When, if you are a citizen... Uh, maybe go to USA Championship, and then that is a gateway for you to go to Olympics. So you got to win all these races. You got to become a citizen. There's a there's a bunch of hoops. Right, you exactly. Jump through. Yeah. And I say, with God, Jesus with me, everything is possible. And I did it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> so as you're you're training for the Olympics, you eventually get to that stage where you're going to become an Olympian, and the the workouts, the training takes place at the United States Air Force Academy. Yes. So you go there to train, and little do you know, I mean, this God who has been working all things together for your good, who's been strategically moving things around for the benefit of, of Lopez, he's got a very special person there for you. And it's not a coach, and right. it's, not a, it's not a fellow runner, right. it's not Michael Johnson even. Who is it you met at the Air Force Academy that's so special? I met this beautiful girl from the <laughs> Air Force Academy called, uh, her name is Brittany. And um, she was going to school as a cadet in the Air Force Academy. And um, so I was, as I was training in, you know, in a high altitude because, you know, for us, we have to be in high altitude to be able to train and, you know, train high and then race low and things like that. And, 
So I, I met her, and it was just a beautiful person, and I saw something, you know, like a, a, a light inside her. And, you know, she's just amazing person, full of Christ, and, and we, we share a lot. We go to church, and, and I, one day I asked I ask her to um, out to the African restaurant. Which, which there's got to be a lot of African restaurants around that. Oh, absolutely. Colorado Springs. I, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Sure, sure. You know, I said, if she really loves me, she has to know about my food. <laughs> so I, I took her to the African restaurant, and we all ate with, the, you know, we ate with the hands and everything like that. We share. And then, and then I told her, like, you know, I can actually cook better than this one. <laughs> and that was, a, that was the second day. And she said yes. So uh, I went, we, we and I, we started cooking some food together and just like that. So, like, you know, she literally changed my life. And, um, you know, she supported me and I support her. And, you know, right now she's in Japan. Actually. She's stationed in Japan. Yeah, right? she's stationed in Japan. And uh, she followed this, you know, the stream as we, as we are sitting right now. So let's two, all say hi to Brittany. It's about 2 a.m. there. Hey, Brittany. <laughs> Good to see you. She's watching the live stream. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, so we, we, we do everything together and, like, you know, hopefully we can uh, help uh, share the story and spread the word and, and help the people in South Sudan. Well, you end up at the Olympics. In fact, not just one, several Olympics you end up going to. So tell us some of the highlights of what it meant for you to participate in the Olympic Games. Oh, first of all, like, just making the team was incredible and then one of the hardest team to make and then secondly we we also we have to vote for a flag bearer and um, because you have to have a flag bearer and my team the whole american delegation voted for lopez Ramon to be a flag bearer wow and, uh, wow yes. so that i mean that was a, that was a big deal you had a, the first olympic games you went to uh, there were some other prominent athletes representing track and field, yep. swimming, uh, basketball. So you, who did you beat out for this flag burst? So I beat out Michael Phelps, Kobe Bryant, <laughs> and, and many, many other more like great athletes yes. who accomplished so much. Yeah. And this is a kid who was born in South Sudan, lived in the refugee camp for 10 years. I don't even have a credential. I don't even have, I never even like run the fastest time. I don't even have a medal. And this country said, we want you to represent us, to lead us in this delegation, in the parade of nation. And that is what, what makes us so beautiful oh, people. Wow. Even the president. Exceptional. Even the president of the United States greeted you, did he not? Yeah, he yes. sure did. Yes, so yeah. he came out and gave us a little pep talk. Yeah, go out there and win all medals and things like that. And then he looked back and was like, Where's Lopez Lamont? And I and 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 I was like somewhere, and Secret Service came out right quickly, and <laughs> and um you know introduced me to the president, and I, he shook my hand and looked me right in the eye and said, I'm so happy to be you are you are here, represent your nation with a pride, and um and then he, and then he came back, he leaned back and said, hey, don't take don't let that flag touch the ground, and as I was it was the flag was so big, and I, as I was carrying the flag, and it was like a little windy too. And I'm walking into the opening set in the bird nest in Beijing Olympics, and um, I saw myself right there, and in the side, there was president saluting the flag. It was fantastic. Wow. I was wow. like, okay, don't take the ground. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we, in order to, to keep this interview under uh, five hours, 
we, we had to skip a bunch of really cool stuff. But I want to recommend the book to you, and it's available across our four campuses at the bookshop. In fact, if you're at the St. Charles campus listening to this, uh, Lopez is going to be signing copies of this at the bookshop, Running For My Life. It's got so much detail in it uh, because there, it's like four or five stories in one. There's the Sudan life. There's the refugee camp for 10 years life. There's the coming to America and adjustment life. There's the Olympic life. Uh, it's, it's a really fabulous story. And Lopez has managed to uh, use his running now as a platform to help people in his, in his own country in Sudan and provide medical care and education and food and so on. And one of the w ways that he raises money for that is he partners with World Vision. And uh, he's got an invitation for you. If you can run, uh, even if you could just hobble, mm -hmm. give him the invitation for next October in Chicago. What, what would you like them to do? So if you would like to come and join us, join me and uh, World Vision team in Chicago uh, in October, Chicago Marathon, please join me and ra to raise the money for clean water in South Sudan. Because the partnership with, with me and World Vision has just been incredible. Because... I saw in the first hand that how water can change their lives. $50 can, change, can provide clean water for life for one person. And all of us, we just give $50 or come and run with us and raise that awareness. It's a fantastic, it's speak volume. So please um, go, go you know, see us over here and there's a lot of some World Vision people out around here as well. Ask them some questions and um, please join the team. Yeah, and it, he says you don't Praise have to be a really competitive marathoner if you want to be part of this team. So <laughs> jot it down, plan to join them, and uh, contribute to a worthy cause. It, you know, as we bring things toward a close, uh, we do these inspiring stories several times a year, and the guests that we bring in, what they have in common is a relationship with God that we think uh, others need to hear about because... Uh, there are many of us who don't have that intimacy with God. So how do you get to the place where God is, is as involved in your life as he's been in Lopez Lemong's life? You know, it comes down to surrendering your life to Christ. What does that mean? Well, you know, it goes back to that verse I quoted earlier. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Brand new person, transformation. You got to be in Christ. How do you get in Christ? Let me give it to you, ABC, okay? The ABCs of becoming in Christ. The A stands for acknowledge. You, you have to come to the realization, acknowledge the fact that you're not in Christ to begin with. In fact, the Bible paints a pretty frank picture of us outside of Christ. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3, verse 23. The prophet Isaiah puts it this way. He says, we're all like dumb sheep who go our own way instead of God's way. And, and when, when we go our way instead of God's way, we disconnect from God. And friends, we do that every day, right? We, we make countless decisions in the course of every day to do our thing instead of God's thing. In fact, many of us are unfamiliar with God's word. We don't even care to know what's in his book to do what he wants us to do. So we're doing things he says not to do. We're not doing what he wants us to do. That brings a separation. And when you disconnect from the one who is the giver of life, guess what? The penalty is death. That's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, verse 23. When, when you disconnect from God by doing your thing instead of his thing, the result is death. It starts as spiritual death inside our hearts, just a broken relationship with God. But if that problem doesn't get fixed, it leads to physical death at the end of this life, 
And that leads to eternal death, eternal separation from God and the world to come. So what, what are we going to do to fix that problem? Well, first, acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that there is a problem, that you're separated from God. The B stands for believe. A is for acknowledge, B is for believe. You've got to put your whole belief, your trust in Jesus Christ. Why Jesus? Well, because God, looking at our separated from him state, in his love, he sent us his son. And Jesus came for the specific purpose of dying on the cross. Why did he have to die? Well, because the penalty for our sins is what? It's death. So Jesus took the death we deserve to die. Can you believe that? The infinite son of God, whose sacrifice is of infinite worth, it will apply to everyone. Everyone who surrenders their life to Jesus. It can cover you if you'll surrender your life to him. If you'll believe, if you'll put your whole hope and trust in him. And you, you could have the right facts in your head about Jesus. You could believe that he was a, you know, a great person, that he died on a cross. You might even believe that he was raised from the dead. But that's not the kind of belief the Bible talks about. It's talking about a heart belief when you trust yourself fully to him and say, okay, I want you to be my savior. I'm all in. I, I, I want to follow you. And that leads to the C. The C stands for confess or declare. Okay, the, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul again, Romans 10 verse 9, he says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Paul says two things you got to do. Believe in your heart, but you also have to confess with your mouth. You have to declare Jesus is my Lord. See, I used to be the king. I used to be the queen on the throne of my life. No more. Jesus is going to be my leader from here on out. Okay, have you ever made that decision? Have you ever surrendered your life to Christ? Ever received his gift of forgiveness and new life? Ever said, I want to learn what it means to follow you, and from this point on, I'm going to be your follower? That happened to Lopez Lamont years ago in a refugee camp in Kenya, and it changed his life. It can change your life too. And so I want to give you an opportunity as we close across our, our four campuses before we wrap things up, I just want to pray a short prayer with you. So would you bow your heads here in St. Charles, in DeKalb, in Aurora, in Streamwood? I want to invite you to make the most important decision of your life. It's a simple decision, but it's only simple because Christ has done all the heavy lifting. He's done all the work. And now he invites you to surrender to him. So if you've never done this before, you need to tell him in your own words. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You don't back into it. You've got to make a deliberate decision. So make that decision now. Put it in your own words. It ought to sound something like this. Now, you don't have to use my words, but it should sound something like this. A, acknowledge. Jesus, I acknowledge that my going my own way, my running my own life has taken me farther and farther from God. And that separation from God is spiritual death. Can you acknowledge that? God, my pride, my materialism, my selfishness, my dishonesty, my lust, my gossip, you know, whatever the sin, it, it's kept me from you. And because I'm separated from you, I'm separated from the source of life. You got to tell him that. You got to own up to it. Nobody comes to, to Jesus just by adding him on to everything else in your life. It begins first with a humble acknowledgement of, I've been going the wrong way. The second part of the prayer, pray it from your heart, is believe. Can you put your whole trust in him? 
can you say, oh, I get it. When you died on the cross, I now understand why you had to do that. It wasn't to be a good example. It wasn't to be a martyr. It, it, it was to pay the penalty for my sin. And I want you to be my savior. Can you put your trust, your hope in him as your savior? Not just the savior of the world, but to say, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I want what you did on the cross, paying the penalty for sin, to be the payment for my sins. And then that leads to the seed to confess. If you've never confessed, never declared, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. You're my new boss. You're my master. I want to find out what it means to follow him. If you've never said that, tell him right now, I, I want you to be the king, the ruler of my life. I want to learn what your word has to say to me, how it could direct my paths. Now, if you prayed that from your heart and you're bowed before God now and you meant it and you're saying to yourself, you know, this is the first time I've ever done this, that I've really acknowledged my sin and put my full trust and belief in Jesus as my Savior and confessed with my mouth, I want him to be the, the new leader of my life. I want you to do one more thing before I say amen to this prayer. The decision you just made was very personal. It was made on the inside. And my fear for you is 24 hours from now, you're going to be asking, did I really do that? And so I'm going to ask you to do something physical right now that will underscore the decision you made. So when you look back on it, you'll say, yep, at Christ Community Church, February of 2019, I surrendered my life to Christ. Here's what I want you to do. If you just prayed that surrender prayer, I want you to stick your hand in the air for one second and then put it back down on your lap. Okay, good, I see that. All around the auditorium, you just go hand up, up in the balcony, out in DeKalb, Streamwood, Aurora, just put a hand in the air. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want him to be the savior and the king of my life. Just put a hand in the air and then put it back down. Good, I see that. Yep, yep. I know it's hard to get that hand up and there's nothing magical about the hand. God will save you whether or not you lift your hand in the air, but for your sake, Say, I'm going for it. I'm throwing my hat over the fence. I want to follow Jesus. Just hand in the air, back down again. Lord God, is, uh, you've seen our hands. More importantly, you've, you've seen our hearts. And you've heard the whispers of our heart. For those of us who've said, we want to follow Jesus. We want to be forgiven. We want the new life that he can give. We want to know that our, our life has purpose in the same way that you gave purpose to Lopez's life. We, we know that we may never be an Olympic runner, but we want a sense of purpose in our world, that you have called us to be part of your forever family for a reason. And to that end, we put our hope and our trust in you. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.